Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. There was a strong wind blowing across the plains When we saddled up and headed out in the rain Our destination was to find peace of mind To ride the wind, leave our troubles behind Packed up a lifetime of memories Shattered hopes and old worn out dreams we rode for miles through the wind and the rain It helped wash away the hurt and the pain When the wind died down and night would fall Once again old misery would come to call But as a new day dawned We'd find a friend with words that echoed strong Right But the wind kept blowing and whispering, keep on going, ride the wind. Ride the wind, that your sound free, follow the trail to your destiny. With freedom as your friend, and no ties that bind, you can ride. Live from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, Gary Holt, and joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. It is a beautiful 70 degrees and sunny in Nashville, Tennessee today, so it couldn't get any better than this. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's um yes, spring is springing all over, beautiful blooming trees and uh, very mild, very mild temperatures. But I'm a crazy girl. I still like to put the fireplace on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just turn the air conditioner up and let it go. That'd be all right. That would be all right. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I just got back from Road to the Horse this past weekend. And it was a wonderful event. Uh, our friend Tootie Bland 
was there and she puts that event on. They uh, they had a huge crowd and it was so much fun to see old friends and meet some new friends. And then it was really exciting to watch Nick Dowers win the road to the horse competition and take home that check for $100,000. So that was a pretty cool deal. Pretty cool wow, deal. Wow. So did you have some special tickets? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was in the VIP suites, and, uh, man, it was it was really, really nice. I mean, they treated you like a king up there and uh, plenty of great food and just wonderful people that I met there as well. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I went out to dinner on uh, Saturday night with a lot of the Mustang folks. So Ann Souders with America's Mustang was there, and uh, man, I guess about 35 or 40 Mustangers went to dinner that evening, and our good friends Devin and the Outlaw came along with us. So that was Aww. a lot of fun. And Chuck that Wagon was Chuck was he al- was he along too? Chuck was there too. So yeah. we just had a we had a big time all weekend long, but we have a big time scheduled for the show today and we have a fabulous guest to kick things off today and then we have a very special guest that's going to be joining us on Saddle Up America so I'm going to let you tell us who that is. Corinne Marie is on the line we'll be uh, catching up with her and playing music from her brand new CD Queen of the Mountain and then Saddle Up America, Fred Wall joins us. Fred Wool joins us. <laughs> and we'll be talking Mustangs and Burroughs. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking Mustangs with Fred, and we're going to be listening to some great music from Corinne and visiting with her as well. But let's kind of kick things off with one of her songs from Queen of the Mountains. This is called Move Along Charlie. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Corinne Marie on the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network.
back to Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard Move Along Charlie, performed by today's guest, Corinne Marie, from her brand new CD, Queen of the Mountain. Inspired by the mountains of Colorado, where she was born and raised, Corinne Marie is a songwriter from the heart who is passionate about playing her own brand of music. Country Americana music quickly became her passion summer of 2001 when dear friend and mentor Michael Martin Murphy suggested that she learn I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart. Not a far stretch from her roots, the style of music fit her lifestyle perfectly since she was already an avid horseback rider and a love for the Western way of life. After years of continuing dedication, her talents as a guitarist, singer, and songwriter have won her numerous awards and performance opportunities. While pursuing her performing, songwriting, and recording dreams, she also earned a degree in commercial music, majoring in guitar and voice, and a degree in mass communication leadership and English. This multi-talented artist continues to pursue her dreams of sharing her stories Every chance she gets. Today we are sharing music from her newest recording project, Queen of the Mountain. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, Corinne Marie. Welcome. Well, good morning. Good Thanks morning. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> We're excited to have you back. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited when I got Gary's message. I love visiting, visiting with you both. Well, you are so kind to join us, and I've got to tell you, I love the CD, Queen of the Mountains. It's just a great, great CD, and we're going to share a lot of music from that. Yeah. So how many of you, you recorded this one in Nashville? How many albums have you done in Nashville now? Well, this is my third Nashville project, and we kind of took a different approach this time, and I really was really excited about how it turned out. Well, I'm excited. It's it's kind of interesting um, because you've been on the show. I guess we had you on the first time about four years ago, maybe five years ago, and it's oh it's God. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing to watch the growth, and uh, and there's quite a bit of difference between Queen of the Mountains and Rambling Daughter, which was your last CD. So yeah. how how does it feel to be growing as a as a writer and a performer? Honestly, I'm really just excited about it. You know, that's kind of what you strive for as an artist is just to keep growing and try to find something new, a new way to record or a new way to sing or a new way to write. And so I worked really hard on this new album to kind of try and find the inner artist, you know, and I was really excited about Rambling Daughter because that was my first big Nashville project as far as being fully produced and new music but this one just really feels like me and so I'm excited to see where it goes and what comes next and all that good stuff well it's it's a great cd and uh, I tell you what's hard is when you sit down and you try to pick out five or six songs to share with our audience today because they're all so stinking good and uh <laughs> <laughs> You just, you know, you go back and you listen. Yeah, you go back and listen and say, oh, man, that one is so good. I need to play that. And then you think, well, I can't play all of them. But uh, (laughs) anyway, some great stuff. So who who worked with you on this project? Who who were some of the musicians? 
well, Bobby Blazier and Chris Rodriguez were the producers, and basically it's there's a few um, add-ons in there, but basically it was the three of us that put this album together. Um, we had Sean Richardson come in and play mandolin on a few tracks and, I guess, upright bass player. But for the most part, we all just kind of got together, and, I mean, I played acoustic guitar on all the tracks and the six-string banjo, and then Bobby played all the percussion and little sound effects here and there and Chris did all the fun bass work and you know all the the crazy things you hear on there are Chris so he is a great mind great great artist and so I was so thankful to have them produce this because I think you know we we're all friends and so it kind of led to something different trying new things so how did you go about selecting the songs for the cd well, honestly, they put all of that in my hands, and so I kind of I had a few songs that didn't make the cut for Rambling Daughter that I'd saved because I knew they were they were needed later. And so I wrote the song, the title track, Queen of the Mountains, for a friend of mine, and they all kind of just started to fall into place after that. It was like, this is kind of a neat idea. And so I picked all from my, probably had 20 new songs that I wanted to pick from, and so I kind of just based them all on, the mountain feel, you know, what kind of went with, what went with the song before, you know, and then the one cover song that I did, uh, Diamond Doe, was actually selected by popular demand. It's a song that I play with Michael Martin Murphy when we tour, and so everybody seems to love that, and so that was simply a, a gift to my dedicated fans, I guess. Yeah, well, that's a great song. That was written by Stephanie Davis, and that's, that's a cool song, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show, but, uh, Right now, I want to play another song. This is the first song on the CD. It's called Night and Day. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Corinne Marie today on the Campfire Cafe. Yo 
Corinne Marie. It is from the CD, Queen of the Mountains. And um, question for you. I've, I've been really curious as to what you do during the day when you're not performing or recording. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm actually pretty lucky because I live in the heart of Colorado. And so when I'm not touring or any of that stuff, I get to hike quite a bit now that the snow is finally melting and then I actually have three horses still and so I spend most of my mornings or afternoons riding oh I hate you I hate you (laughs) (laughs) I work hard work hard all summer long and so like you know all night the night shows and so during the day that's what my relaxation is oh that's pretty cool that is pretty cool so uh, how do you go about the writing process do you set out time each day to write or does something just strike you or how 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 does your process work it's kind of different every time I try to be try to be good and consistent and at least try to sit down every day and just write because that's kind of the secret behind it is just writing all the time because you never know what that could bring about but sometimes it just I have an idea and then I just go and I sit down and I write the song and so for me, it's kind of, it really, I do a lot better, or at least it's a lot easier if, if, if I'm inspired by something. But um, stuff like I'm Sure, which is on the new album, I basically just sat down and decided I wanted to write a sad country song. And so that kind of just inspired. It was an exercise that turned into an actual song. So Wow. Wow. So, Bobby, all you have to do is sit down and decide you're going to write a sad country song and... <laughs> Do it. <laughs> oh, sometimes gosh. it is just a sad country song, you know. Sometimes you just write it and put it away. But sometimes there's a little bit of magic in there. I think so. I think so. So do you sit down and just write love, love songs? You know, that is not something that I'm as good at. For some reason, <laughs> it just doesn't come as easily, but... I do. I try to write a little, you know, something every so often. Um, you know, Mickey Daniel. Uh, right. Something Sweet off of Rambling Daughter ended up being her wedding song. And so oh, I've been trying to write a little more because it's been, you know, connecting with people. Love is better to sing about than heartbreak, right? Right. Right, right, right. Well, there's a there's a uh, kind of a sad love song that's on the CD. It's called Losing in Love. Tell us about that one. <laughs> Well, that song, so that kind of came about a little differently. I'd actually had that melody for a couple of years, and I didn't know what to do with it. And then I can't remember what situation it was, but it must have been one of those heartbreak moments where it was like, I am so tired of just losing in the situation. And then I thought, you know, that could be a different idea for a song. And so I just kind of sat down and a little bit, a little moody and just kind of, wrote that one i don't really have much of an explanation you know you kind of pull on all the different situations when your heart gets broke and you kind of just pile them all together and get all those feelings going and hopefully something good comes out of it and then you just kind of are a little thankful for those heartbreaks oh gosh well here's a great heartbreak song it's called losing in love it's from the cd queen of the mountains and we'll come back and talk with corinne in just a moment
opportunities over the last several years as you pursued your dreams and one of them was standing and performing on the Ryman Auditorium stage. You want to tell a little bit about what that experience was like? Oh, that was probably one of my all-time favorite experiences just because it's kind of what you hope for. You know that someday I'll get to stand on stage at the Opry and then I mean to stand at the Ryman was just unbelievable for me. I was during the Texaco Country Showdown, and so it was even more fun. My family got to come, and so it was really great to be able to share that with them. It's kind of, I remember that. There's some pictures that keep popping up from that time, and I just remember <laughs> walking out on stage and thinking that I've got this. This is this is nothing, and then it kind of hit. I just remember my <laughs> four legs wouldn't stop shaking. It was like, oh, really? I could be in trouble now. <laughs> Well, you seem to be totally at ease and in control when you watch the the YouTube video of it. I love to watch that um, 
that piece and I and I wondered, you know, what was going through your mind and and then how did it feel when you, you know, walked off it? Were you so weak kneed you had trouble getting off the stage? <laughs> I think I just remember walking off and I was so excited because I was done. I could breathe again. Uh-huh. I was like yeah. I just remember feeling just so so amazing because I'd worked so hard and I got to play one of my songs on stage at the Ryman and then when I got off all I wanted to do was hug my parents because like I did it I didn't (laughs) didn't joke (laughs) and you you Michael Martin Murphy as you mentioned has been a tremendous mentor and I guess you were very young when you first met how did you how did that how did you meet each other well it's kind of a crazy story we've been talking about it a lot lately um we have actually been going to see Michael. My parents have been fans of his forever. And so we used to go to Westfest when I was just a baby, and we'd always, I mean, go to every event that he had. And I'd met him at the National Western Stock Show probably when I was about six or seven, and I got to shake his hand. And I remember just thinking, I would love to, you know, just get to talk to this man. And so sure enough, a few years later, he opened a singing cowboy ranch in Nathrop, Colorado, and my mom was on a board um, for a theater here, and Michael jumped on that as well. And so they got to meet, and my dad brought us kids down to actually get to meet him, sit down with him. He brought his guitar, and um, a friend of mine had introduced us and said that I was a singer. Um, and at the time, I was doing mostly community theater. And so he had suggested that I learn to sing, I want to be a cowboy sweetheart. And if I did, I could come sing at his cowboy ranch. And so I basically went home and found the song and learned it and went out 4th of July 2001 and just went right up to him, got past security, got past the gates, everything, and made it backstage and just went right up to him and tapped him on the the shoulder and said, Mr. Murphy, I am here to sing my song. And we've kind of been really good friends ever since then. What a story. What a story. Are there some other... um... Or do you have on a bucket list some performers you would love to share a stage with or or meet that you haven't had a chance to yet? Oh, you know, that's kind of a hard question because there's so many greats. Um, one that I wish that would never happen, obviously. John Denver is one of my favorite songwriters, and so it was always a dream to get to meet him. And unfortunately, that was not in my lifetime. But going forward, I mean, I would love – Love, love, love to meet Miranda Lambert or Shania Twain. I've always been a Shania Twain fan. But, um... You never know. You speak it, it. You speak it out there to the universe, and you never know what can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. I know I got to meet Crystal Gale, and share, I actually got to share the stage with Susie Boggess many years oh, ago, wow. and she's always been one of my favorites, so... Yeah, I'm just I'm just thankful for the opportunities that I have had, you know, and I'm hoping there'll be many more to come. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. ask, uh, what artists do you listen to now? Oh, I listen to a little bit of everything. I really like um, Casey Musgrave. She, mm-hmm. I remember meeting her years and years ago at the Winfield Music Festival, um, and she she and I were kind of on the same playing field. She had a red cowboy hat, and I had a pink one. And so right. <laughs> we bonded over that. And so I've always loved her music. Um, I listen to a lot of, I like the Lumineers. I like some of the new country artists. I love Chris Stapleton. And then here lately, I've really been listening to a lot of Gillian Welch. Okay. All right. Well, that's how, how have they, or do they influence your writing any? 
you know, I like to just listen to how they construct songs because it kind of helps me think about it a different way because sometimes there's a better way to say something. And so I think they all have a different approach. I like uh, doing Welch's approach just because it's so different. It's so unique, and then Chris Stapleton is just kind of a lyrical genius. And so it just kind of pushes me to be better. You know, and I try to analyze on how how they said something and how they put it together to make such an impact. And then I try to do my very best, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Oh, gosh. Well, here's a song that worked, and I really enjoyed this one. It's one called Shop Me Down. And let's take a listen to that <laughs> come back and talk more with Corinne Marie in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. No. 
Knock Me Down, Corinne Marie, Queen of the Mountains. And what was the inspiration behind that one? <laughs> you know, that was actually a true story, and it's kind of interesting because I've had different people come up, and they think it means different things. And some of people think it's just a rejection song, but the truth, the truth behind the song is that my aunt actually was shot a few years ago. Her husband oh, no. came home and just, I guess, lost it, if you will, and tried tried to shoot her, or yes, he did. He shot her in the shoulder, and then set their house on fire. And it was pretty, it was a pretty traumatic experience at the time. And I debated for a long time if I should write a song about it or not because it moved me so. And it worked out because she's perfectly fine. She recovered beautifully and is now living elsewhere, and the husband is where he belongs. And <laughs> and so I really I asked my dad if it would be okay if I wrote about it, and he thought it was, you know, like sometimes, unfortunately, that's a something that happens. And so he thought it would be more powerful if I did write about it and share that story. And so that's kind of the inspiration. It's probably more than you bargained for, but it's the truth. Wow. Wow, that's yeah, quite a story. Yeah. Quite a story. But uh, I actually, I think this is one of my favorite songs off the CD. And uh, now that I know the story, I'll have to think about that again, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, once, you listen to it, once you listen to it back through, it kind of starts, it comes out a little more. And my dad, because he didn't even know when I brought it to him, I think he kind of figured it out. But everybody that else heard it has, didn't, has not put it together. And so I'm like, it's probably a good thing. But for the people that want to know the truth, you know, it's kind of an interesting story. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting Music comes story. from everywhere. It does. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> wow. That's what I have learned wow. over the years. Is sometimes, you know, the inspiration isn't always a good thing, but it does connect with people. And sometimes they need that message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I'd asked you before we played the song where that came from, but. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again after the show. <laughs> but, uh, wow. So she's she's doing okay, and life is good, and a happy ending. Yeah, so. she's great. She's great now. I don't – I've actually not – I have not told her that I wrote that for her. So maybe I should send her the link to the this uh, radio show. And to the show, it. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know – <laughs> You you mentioned a little bit ago when you were talking about songwriting that you'd written a song and Mickey Daniel used it at her wedding. Um, we got to see Mickey and her husband when they came to the IWMA conference um, back in November, and Mickey was on a songwriting panel. It was so interesting because she talked about um, when she looks back at some of the music she wrote when she was younger, she has a sort of different feel about it today. And she never gets rid of anything. If a song isn't done or doesn't feel, you know, that it's recordable, she puts it in a manila envelope and uh, she just puts it away. Um, what What do you do with those songs that you've been working on that you think maybe aren't, you know, aren't ready? How do you How do you keep track of them for potential future use? You know, I put everything in a box. And I probably have about five or six boxes full of stuff. (laughs) And some of them are written in notebooks. Some of them are on receipts. Some of them on napkins. Like, it's just ideas that I've had. And sometimes, you know, they don't go anywhere. And I firmly believe, you know, maybe it's just not time for that song. And so I do. I keep every single thing, every idea. Um, It's gotten a little easier now with these great devices we have. And so 
I actually have probably about 200 notes on my phone from different songwriting ideas. And so, you know, it's so great to hear that Mickey does the same thing. We just keep it. And then every so often I'll go back through and just kind of, you know, pick through it and see if there's something that hits me for the day. And every so often um, I've pulled out a few ideas and written from them. So Mm -hmm. it's always good for anybody out there that's a writer. It's always good to keep it. You never know. You never know when it's its time. Right. Absolutely. So I want to get to another song real quick. And uh, this one is called Let Me Be. I'm sure there's not as interesting a story as Shot Me Down behind this one. But (laughs) tell us about this. Well, this one kind of came from a relationship that I was having. And I think we both knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere. But we both still had feelings for each other. And so I finally was thinking about it and I realized that maybe he had met somebody else and was moving on and I kind of just sat down and wrote this because it was like well you know I understand that we we had our time you know and so at some point I think I needed to tell myself I will be fine you know just let it be for just a little while and so that kind of inspired all of that and you know and when I need to feel better I just go for a hike with my dog it works out great <laughs> Well, let's take a listen to Let Me Be. This is Corinne Marie, and we're happy to have her join us today on the Campfire Cafe. Let me be, 
and we'll be back to talk with Corinne some more in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. Well, it's sure enough December, clear and cold and still, moonlight shining silver on the hill. Um, so we do want to know um, how people can 
buy the CD as well as all of the others. You have so much wonderful music to offer. Why don't you steer us to your uh, website where they can also get your schedule and such? Okay. Well, I mean, my website is CorinneMarieMusic.com. And all my albums and T-shirts and hats are available off of there. Um, You can also, for those out there that no longer do the actual CD, um, you can go to iTunes or Spotify, any of the music outlets, and it's available on there. So be sure to follow me on social media. That's kind of the biggest help you can give us right now as independent artists is liking our posts and following anywhere you know that we have a media presence. That's perfect. <laughs> I've been kind of posting on Facebook throughout the, the whole show today with uh, announcing each track and a great picture of you. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, I was, go check uh, it out afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> I was just posting instead of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, no do-overs. It's live radio, but that's okay. That's all right. Well, Cran, you are always. Better. It does. It does. That's live, That's the joy of live radio. So that's pretty cool. But you are <laughs> always so much fun to have on the show, and um, maybe when you come and visit Nashville the next time, you can give me a holler and we can get together and have some coffee or something. I'd love to actually meet I would you. That. that would be a lot that of fun. Great. That would be a lot of fun. So do you have anything? I know this CD has just come out. I think February 14th was when the CD came out. Yeah. Everybody's but do you have a hard it? time because I released an album of heartbreak on Valentine's day, but <laughs> Whoops. You know, but that's not really inappropriate. Valentine's Day is a hard day for lots of folks, so I, well, I think that was that, actually, you know? yeah, I think that was actually smart marketing on your part. Oh, <laughs> Kudos to you for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, it's a great CD, and uh, and I'm going to suggest that you get the CD, the entire CD. You don't want to just get a download because it, the whole CD is fabulous. And again, I had a hard time selecting songs for the show. But, uh, Corinne, you are wonderful. Look forward to having you back again with us on the Campfire Cafe and uh, sharing your music again. And we're going to close out this segment with Queen of the Mountains. And it's the title cut from the CD, Queen of the Mountains. And, Corinne, we look forward to having you back. Please give me a call when you come well, thank to you Nashville. Thank so much. Love to meet you. I will. Love I appreciate you. you both so much. All right. And we'll see you in Santa Clarita. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right. This is Queen of the Mountains. It's from the CD by the same name. This is Corinne Marie. And we'll be back in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe.
Legacy Radio Network, and when we come back, we'll be visiting with Fred Wool today on Saddle Up America. Don't count them out, boys are coming around to the old cow bar.
Our guest on Saddle Up America is Fred Wool, who serves as chairman on the BLM National Wild Horse and Burrow Advisory Board. And I like this quote of his about Mustangs. Mustangs have taught me more about horses and myself than anything else I have ever done. Patience, prayer, body language, understanding, not taking things personal, creative thinking, different perspectives. If more people understood the true reward and could grasp the real meaning, no Mustang would ever want for a home. Hailing from Boone County, Arkansas, Fred is bringing his brand of horse sense to Washington. Please welcome to Saddle Up America, Chairman of the BLM National Wild Horse and Borough Advisory Board, Fred Wool. Welcome, Fred. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You make me blush, and it's an honor for me to be here today. (laughs) Hey, Fred. Hey, Gary. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day here in the Ozark. It's a little cloudy, but it's about 65 degrees. We've had a string of beautiful days, and it's a a good day to be alive. You know, I've always said any morning you wake up without a face full of dirt, it's going to be a good day. And so these days are really good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend that – go ahead, Bobby. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, Fred, my dad used to say – is something very similar about uh, being on the right side of the grass, you know, it's a good day. Any day you're on the right side of the grass. <laughs> That's true. That is very, very true. That's very, very true. Boy, Miss Bobby and Gary, I really appreciate you having me here today because we got some very good news, very unique stuff going on with the wild horses that I need to share with you all. Well, we're looking forward to that, but uh, Fred, for folks that are tuning in, and and I know a lot of people are interested in this show today, but uh, before you share the good news, why don't you give us a little bit of the statistics about how many Mustangs maybe are in holding facilities today and how many are out on the open ranges? Okay, well, currently BLM is in the process of looking for more long-term long-term holding pastures. Right now we've got maybe a little bit close to maybe a little bit over 50,000 horses in long-term long-term holding. Uh these are pastures some of the biggest pastures we have is in the state of Oklahoma and uh these are horses that are too old to be adopted or had something where they couldn't be adopted adopted like that and we've uh we put them in there we also have three what we call eco sanctuaries where people can actually get out there and visit with these horses we've got a a really good one in in wyoming matter of fact we have two of them in in uh wyoming and we have uh and we have one in kansas and so these are places you can go online uh, and get you know where they are and do that now what we have in in on the range right now now it, they have determined that the range can handle about twenty seven thousand horses. Currently on the range, we got just a little under ninety thousand. We have almost wow. three to one. Wow. And just to bring that in a little bit into perspective, if I put two horses in your front yard and didn't feed them, didn't water them, how long could they live? Well, that's kind of the situation we have out there right now. Is that the, the pastures are are not very good because they've just been eaten 
eaten down. And they've had a, a major drought the past couple of years. They don't have a drought this year. They have a snow problem. But uh, uh, it's uh, it's just one of those things that we have to learn how to manage it, and that's what we're trying to do. Well, the numbers are uh, astounding, and um, of, of course, you do your part to help these Mustangs get adopted. Mustang Heritage Foundation does their part to help these Mustangs get adopted, and there's some other organizations that are working to do that as well. But it's really hard to try to adopt out 140,000 horses, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Since we have started uh, trying to find home for these horses, I think it was in 1978 when we started the uh, the uh, uh, adoption program, we've actually found homes for about 250,000 horses. So wow. if, you'll, if you'll think, back when we started the program in 1971, there were 17,000 17, horses out there. Since 1971, then 17,000 horses have multiplied to uh, just a little under 300,000 horses. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. It, it, yeah. it honestly is. It honestly is. And, see, and people don't think about that. They say, you know, uh, this is an emotional deal with a lot of folks, and it is for me. I mean, I love horses. In the past, uh, I would say in the past six years, I have uh, started and found homes for about 50 horses this way now you know when you're looking at uh eighty eight thousand horses on the range 50 horses don't sound like many but it means a lot to, to those 50 horses 50 horses and, that's um, right yeah, yeah and so i mean everybody needs to needs to to do their part and that's what uh uh you know i've been on this board this is my my fifth year i've been the chairman for four years and it's uh it's been an interesting thing i've gone through an administration change uh i've gone through several things and it's really been good in the learning process but the bottom line just like anything else we have we need to manage it and that's what uh, I try to do. That's what I ask everybody to do. Fred, talk a little bit about range management because um, uh, the wild horses are really feral, aren't they? They're not native. They are a feral species. And, well, when you, when you, when, right, right. And when, when you think about this, this is what people don't really understand is that uh, we have had the impact the human race have had impact on these horses since they have since they have been here. Uh, you know, we uh, back in the turn of the century of that we had a program called the the Federal Remount Service, where if you had a place out there, the U.S. government would give you purebred stallions, thoroughbred, Percheron, Morgan, Belgium, to turn loose with these herds and then they would come back in and buy up these offspring offspring to use in the US Army cavalry to, to right. you know matter of fact during World War One we sent over three million of these horses over there. So as you think about this, you know, uh these horses have had a lot of influence by man. And there really isn't even though it sounds romantic and it sounds something very you know, unique and all this you're correct, Gary. There is no actually wild horses out there. They are all feral horses. Right. And and the other f 
point that I guess I would like to point out early on is that that the wild horses have to share the rangeland with uh, cattle and other native species that are out there. So it's not just the wild horses that are on all of this pasture land across the United States because they're having to share that land, and it has to be managed. Right. What people don't really understand is uh, on these herd management areas, there's 178 of them currently, herd management areas. Uh, These horses are authorized to be on this 178 herd management areas in 10 in 10 states okay and so uh, along with those these are multi-use areas however these horses are out there 365 days a year 24 hours a day livestock are not out there that long livestock right. the the longest they're out there is maybe a 90-day period in the spring when there is grass because there's not a lot of graze left after you have as many many horses as you've got. And honestly, a lot of the ranchers out there no longer put their cattle on their on their allotments or or their sheep because they are you know horses are there and they have to com- compete with these number of of horses that they have. And they are actually providing water. See, that's one of the most uh, precious of commodities out there is water. And uh, Without it, you know, there isn't anything going to going to to make it. And I think 99% of all water out west, springs and wells, is privately owned. Matter of fact, in the state of Nevada, the U.S. government cannot own any water. So even on these herd management areas that are there, every drop of water is privately owned. And for these people that own this water to allow these horses to come in there and drink and share really tells a lot that these people out there care about these horses. Now, you can go online and read all kinds of things about, uh, and, and, and the thing I ask people to do is learn for yourself. You know, someone said that, well, I've got a good friend on Facebook. His name is Abraham Lincoln, and he told me everything on Facebook is true. We all know honest <laughs> Abe don't lie. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? and so, oh, that, that's that's one of the things that I, I you know I don't I, I try to look into everything. I look at it as much as I can. I, I I've been out west and uh, I've seen that and and I've been out there and seen and I've actually visited with some folks that were there and they were there in the spring. It was in March and there's a a species of grass that grows out there that's an invasive species called cheatgrass and those that have horses know that cheatgrass is not good for horses it can create bad mouth problems it gets in between the teeth it can i mean it really is bad stuff and they they'll eat it in the spring but they won't eat it year year round and it's an invasive species and so when they are out there in the spring and they see all this green grass they say there is no problem but when they go back in august if they go back in august they find that there is a problem and so it's you know Education is real important, and don't believe everything you read. Check things out for your own self. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the management situation, it seems, has just gotten out of hand as far as uh, the number of horses that are in holding facilities and then, of course, the number of horses that are on the range. And and these horses on the range – 
can actually starve to death and they can actually die of thirst out there, can't they? Correct. Correct. I mean, uh, uh, I, I was out there last year and I looked and there, I mean, the water sources were dry. They were actually pollen. I was in the, the state of Utah and, uh, uh, I mean, and these, these horses instead of, I mean, they travel long distances, but where, where, where I was at in Utah, right around about two hours from Salt Lake, uh, there was grass up in the mountains. You could you could actually see it, but it was too far away from water for these horses to go, and so they gathered around water. And so yeah. where they were at, there wasn't anything for them to eat. And the first thing that they want to do is haul these. Some people like to haul these horses hay. Well, once you start doing that, you just can't do it for a day or two, and then then quit and so that's part yeah. of the problems that we have and uh they you know we have to be a complete manage of the whole thing and that's sometimes hard to do but if we don't manage it mother nature will and that's a really hard thing to take if you love horses right 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 fred what 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 does the uh Wild Horse and Borough Advisory Board do? Well, you know, the thing that we do is we meet along about twice a year, and we try to uh, interact with the Bureau of Land Management and give them recommendations that uh, that helps them manage these, these horses. On the board, we have a wildlife person. We have two two advocacy groups that are represented on the board. We have a two veterinarians. We have a, 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 just a lot of different folks on there that come from a, uh, a rancher. We even have a rancher on there that, that has some uh, BLM allotments. So it's a broad spectrum of folks. There are nine of us. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this board is the fact that uh, compromise is one of the things that we do. You know, you and I both know that if we uh, say it's my way or the highway, things don't happen. We're running into a little bit of that, and I don't want to get political, but in our Congress right now, I mean, and they're so split apart. Well, this board isn't that way. We will go into a, a meeting and even though we might be a little bit different, if I give a little bit and they give a little bit and we come up with a good recommendation, we can move down the road. We can benefit. It might not be all that I want. It might not be all that they want, but it benefits the horse. It benefits the range, and that's what I really like about this board. Well, that's great. Well, it's a good thing, good thing you don't have a lot of politicians on the board or you wouldn't get anything done. So, <laughs> can, I, may I ask, can I ask a question? Um, Fred, you were talking before about you know checking your sources and such. Um, for somebody, let's say like me, that's a total novice in this area, um, or folks that really do want to know more, are there some resources that you could direct us to that would give you know straight information about? Um, about this this topic, are there some good places to go for the right info? Well, there, 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 
There, there is one of the things that I screen is, is uh, on this information I get is I ask them how many horses are they taking care of, how many horses do they have. Uh, two of the the largest advocacy groups that is very adversarial to the Bureau of Land Management don't care for any horses. They don't have any horses. They don't care for any horses. They just trying to change things, and that that kind of uh, you know, aggravation, aggravating to me is that if, mm-hmm. you know, because I've got three Mustangs on my place, right while I back up, I've got six. I picked up three the other day at an, um, an adoption event, and I'm training them and going to find homes for them. And so I've got six at my place right now. So, you know, if, if I'm talking about Mustangs, I'm putting my, my rubber roses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, so like that, the the BLM website is really, really good. They have gone, they have been over backwards, and and they, you know, the first instincts a lot of people say, well, they're going to be one way or the other. They aren't. They're very, very honest and straight, and they don't try to uh, 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 slant anything one way or the other. You you just you just find the facts on the 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 BLM website, and you can make up your own mind on what you want to do. There's a few other things that you can go. I mean, there are some. I mean, uh, Ben Masters has just got through mm-hmm. with a film that, uh, uh, that, 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 that is done, and it really does a good job of, uh, of talking about it, uh, about the horses. And so it's uh, uh, it's really, really good, and you can look that up on the web, too. Uh, Google Ben Masters, and, it, and it's there, it's it, and it really does, it, it, it makes things the way you under, understand it, but it's um, just educate yourself. I mean, I, I don't want to try to influence folks on, on other mm-hmm. websites, if you know what I mean, because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but uh, BLM has a good, a good Good website, you know. Ben Masters did that uh, uh, unbranded movie, and he just got right. through doing it. It's about fifteen minutes long, and it's uh, uh, actually he's not in it. He kind of just kind of a filmed it, but it's actually on the on the ground, looking at the damage to the to the range and some of the things that can be done to help it. Well, the BLM website uh, has some great information, Bobby, that you can go in and search out and get real facts. And uh, so that's Bureau of Land Management. I think that's a .org website, but if you just Google no, Bureau no. of Land Management. Go ahead. .gov. and then there'll be a Wild Horse and Burrow Program. Okay. All right, that's great. Well, we've talked a little bit about some of the issues that are facing the wild horses, and when we come back, we want to talk a little bit about some of the great programs that uh, Fred alluded to when we first started the show. But let's take a listen right now to a great song by Mr. Doug Figs, and it's called Wild Horses. And when we come back on Saddle of America, we'll be talking more with Mr. Fred Wool who is the chairman of BLM's Wild Horse and Burrow Advisory Board on Saddle of America.
They were brought here by the Spaniards 400 years ago. Fine horses in a strange new world so very far from home. Some would break free and they called them Los Mestanos. In this wild and rugged land they did roam. And they called them Los Mestanos. The Comanche took to this horse as if it was their fate. And so they realized their destiny. Some horses remain wild in the desert hills and brakes. Mustang still runs proud and free. The Mustangio still runs proud and free. So run while horses run. A través de las quebradas for the setting of the sun. Spanish blood still in their veins. Chairman of BLM's Wild Horse and Borough Advisory Board, but um, 
Fred, you started to mention earlier on in the show, there's some great programs that are out there right now. So why don't you share that with us? I will. I will. But I, I just love that that last song by Doug. Doug does a great job. I mean, he sings from his heart. That's really good. And uh, Yeah. Anytime you mention a wild horse, it just tickles my heart really good. Anyway, one of the newest programs we got, and it was a recommendation by the board back in 2016, and they finally got it going. We have an adoption incentive program where if you adopt one of these one of these horses, you can get $1,000. You'll get uh, $500 within the first 60 days, and then after they come out, see you. Let me explain a little bit, is that when you adopt one of these horses, the horse isn't yours for a year. You do not have title to that horse. And so this program helps you find a pay for a trainer, pay for food for the first year you have this horse. Anyway, you get $500 within the, 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 the first 60 days, and then at the end of the year when they come out and do an inspection of your horse to make sure that it's being taken care of and all this, you get the other the other $500, and uh, uh, it's really a good good program, and it really does help. It's kind of like what we have is we call it a tip program with, with Mustang Heritage where we have these trainers that will take a Mustang and get him uh, – started get him where he can you can catch him you can put a halter on him you can pick up all four feet you can load him in a trailer or her or the mayor and you know and so you, you can adopt that horse and he's already going real good well part of this program here goes along hand in hand with that if you have somebody who is capable of doing this their own self why not pay them, if you will, the same thing as what we pay other people to do it. And so mm-hmm. it's just one of those things work. And it's really done good. They, uh, I, I checked with them this this morning on a, a adoptions that they had, and they had uh, uh, 38 horses there Saturday, uh, Friday. They, uh, they adopted out all 38 of them, and they went back and picked up some more and brought them and adopted over over three-fourths of them the next day. So it's really having oh, an great. impact on these horses. It's really having an impact on these horses. And so it's uh, uh, it's really a good good program. It's doing an outstanding job. It's only only been going on now for about two weeks, and you know it's like everything else. Anytime you do something new, there might be a, a hitch or two, but it's one of those things that that we have to have to go through. And the, you know, and there's been a lot of talk on. Uh, on the on the, the, the internet about it, we have a lot of negative folks out there. But I answered one the other day. I said I would rather 99 horses find a good home than have 100 horses not have a home. Right, right, right. So you right. know, and it's, and it's just, just one of them things. So it's really a good a good program that that we're doing. But it goes to show you how long it takes things to. Even a good recommendation by the board, which this was in 2016, it took them, I mean, almost three years to get it, get it going. Well, That's it did. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like an excellent program. And again, I know that there's some folks that are concerned about the folks that are adopting if they'll do what they're supposed to do and. Um, 
I'd say probably 97% of those people or 98 or 99% of those people will do the program like they're supposed to. And then you'll always have somebody that won't. But uh, I, I think that's a great incentive for people to take these horses. Brad, how much does it cost to keep a wild Mustang in captivity? Uh, if, if we're in a short-term pasture, which is where these horses that we are adopting out come from, uh, it costs an average of $5 a day. And maybe a, maybe now it's close to five fifty a day. And so it's, you know, that adds up. That's where a large portion of our budget goes, the BLM budget. Now, the on the the horses out on the uh, long-term pastures, uh, they cost anywhere from a dollar and sixty cents a day to just a little under two dollars a day. So okay. it's uh, uh, it, you know it, it really helps. I mean, I mean, and and you know, and a lot of folks worry about these long-term pastures but boy they're they're really good i mean they have grass they have water they're cared for but what people don't really understand if you're looking at one horse in long-term pasture and you put that horse in there when it's eight years old and that horse lives until it's 25 that's a total of 17 years okay and it's costing right at uh five times Five dollars times three hundred and sixty-five days. I'm just going to make it easy. About eighteen hundred dollars a year. If you take seventeen years times eighteen hundred dollars, that's how much it's costing us to have that horse. And so right. us us doing a thousand dollars either through a tip trainer or through a uh, this year incentive program is saving the U.S. government lots and lots of money. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it finds homes for the horses, which is what you really want. You exactly. want to find great homes exactly. for the horses. So it, it's uh, exciting I have stuff. A, I have another question. <laughs> yes, Bobby. Um, Fred, Fred, when I was um, reading a little bit about you, and you did mention that you just um, picked up um, a couple of Mustangs the other day, you have uh, – you have a horse named Blue, is that right? That goes, yes, ma'am. has been yes, trained ma'am. to do all kinds of things. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what these horses can do with proper training? And and um, I was kind of excited to hear about you and Blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Blue is a very special horse. He is he is he is from Adobe Town in Wyoming, and. Uh, as a matter of fact, two of the horses I'm working with is 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 from his herd, and so that's why I wanted to get them. But uh, these horses can do anything you ask. As a matter of fact, the number one dressage horse last year that got an, an award for doing it was a Mustang. Uh, Blue has been all over the United States. He's been in nursing homes. He's been in uh, uh, uh Schools. I mean, he's just been, you know, I even took him in the third floor of a hospital once. I uh, don't think I'll do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it, ain't, it, 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 it ain't that he didn't handle it well. He did, but the people at the hospital wasn't real pleased with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's all yeah right. I imagine. That's I all imagine. right. That's all right. But uh, 
he has been all over the place, and and he and he's really been a great ambassador, and it's and it's really good. But these horses can do anything; they're not they're not limited. They are, you know. And and the thing that I get excited about is if you, you know, uh, if you go Mustang, you won't go back. I mean, it's one of those things, and that's and that's just what it is. Uh, we I have a good friend. Her her name is Ann. And Souter, and uh, uh, she is totally convinced that these Mustangs are the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, she just loves them to death, and she goes everywhere. She works for the the Mustang Mustang Heritage Foundation, and she gets. I mean, you spend any time with her at all, and it, you, you know you get kind of uh, okay. And I've heard about it, but she just loves them that much. She's really good. She's a she's one of my. She's one of my dearest friends, but she is a hoot, let me tell you. But that's the thing about these Mustangs is that they are, and they're a little bit different to to work with. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, th- I like to tell people is that when you go by, or let's say you have a mare and you're going to go breed this mare, you go out and you look at, at stallions. You don't look at the wildest, toughest, meanest stallion to breed your mare to because you think you're going to pass that on. But in the wild, where these horses are, that's what breeds the mares is the meanest, toughest, strongest stallion that is there. And so Hmm. when these horses have that in their background, you have to train them just a tad bit different. They are very acute to any body language and that, and you don't have to, I mean, but once they turn the corner, they're just, I mean, they're great. They're great. And uh, uh, they're just incredible. And that's the thing that I really enjoy about them. And uh, and I try to help as many people as I can with these horses. And and, and they, uh, uh, they are really something that you can just, I mean, they're just great. They're just great. <laughs> if you're if you're like me, a, a non-equestrian, but you are moved by the situation and understand the power of the horse, are there ways to get involved, um, either with fundraising or volunteering, or or how how can somebody that really can't take care of a horse get involved in this cause? Well, see, there's lots of uh, uh, lots of folks out there that. Uh, uh, well, let me be brutally honest uh, about this, and this is one of the things that that Gary knows me very, 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 very well about this stuff. And I'm just going to share something with you. Be very careful about rescues, because, in my opinion, if I mean, and this is me, I take these horses in. I have rescued several that people have gotten, and I've brought them home, and I've worked with them. And if somebody comes to me and say, "Hey, I'd like to have a horse," They are free to take that horse. If they promise me they'll give that horse a good home, I don't charge them anything. I don't do anything. I mean, uh, and 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 there are a bunch of folks like that around that actually helps out on this. And there and you just need to uh, just ask around your local area and help them. And again, my key question, if anybody ever asks me for money, is how many horses are you caring for? Right, and if they right. say, "Oh, I'm not caring for any. I just want the government to do what they're supposed to do," I, mm-hmm. I don't give them a dime. I don't. I don't really spend any in, any any time with them. It's just that, uh, you know, I like people that put their money where their mouth is, where the rubber meets the road, that are actually trying to do something about it. 
Mm-hmm. So, so one way that you can help is to to help support the Mustang Heritage Foundation because they do a great job uh, in helping to get these horses adopted. Mm-hmm. I think I had Paula Carr on the show. She started the Mustang Heritage Foundation, and I believe at that time she and her husband had adopted out from their place in Cross Plains, Tennessee, over twenty five thousand Mustangs. And, yes. Uh, yes. She- yeah, and and the Mustang Heritage Foundation does a great job with their uh, events during the year, uh, working with these trainers and helping to uh, to find homes for these horses. And uh, there'll be another one coming up in June at uh, Lexington, Kentucky. They'll have the Mustang makeover there. And uh, gosh, I think I've got. Let me take a look. Let me take a look and see what I've got here. Okay. Well, let me tell you uh, a little bit about the about them while you're while you're looking for that. If anybody out there really wants to learn about the horses and learn what they can do and see how they can be trained and all that, these Mustang Heritage events are invaluable because you'll have fifty to sixty trainers there that have gone through and, and it's one of those things to where you know, I always liken it under this. If I ask Miss Bobby how to bake a cake She's going to say you take a bowl and you put the flour in first and you put the egg in next and you put the milk in. Well, when I make a cake, I put the eggs in first, then I put the milk in, then I maybe put the flour in. But the <laughs> end result, I still have a cake. You know what I mean? And so right. you have all these people, and, and you can learn so much, and you can watch these horses, how much they have done. And, and, and Mustang, Mustang Heritage has done a great job. They have grown, too. They have changed things up a little bit to where uh, they try to – and, and I, I don't mean this in a, a negative fashion, but I went to a Mustang, Mustang Heritage event early on, and they couldn't load horses in the trailer. And I helped them put these horses in, in you know, in, a, in a, 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 a trailer because they did not – That you won't see that now. You go to a Mustang Heritage Foundation event, and those horses that they use – they are. They have got a foundation on them that will carry them through anything that you want them to do. The uh, uh, bring back rate on these at these Mustang Heritage things have really gotten low. I think it's around less than three percent are brought are brought back, and it's because they have changed, they have grown, they have learned, and I'm really pleased with that group. They've done an outstanding job. Yeah, I was just looking for the locations and the dates. They've got the first one will be taking place in Ocala, Florida, May the 10th through 11th, and then in Lexington, Kentucky, June the 20th and the 22nd, and then in Fort Worth, Texas, that will be January the 23rd and the 25th. And these trainers actually pick these wild horses up, work with them for 100 or 120 days, and then bring them back to the Mustang Heritage events and uh, the Extreme Mustang Makeovers, and then these horses are available uh, to be purchased there. And uh, it's just a great, great deal. And what they can do, what they've done, what these trainers have done with these horses in 100 or 120 days is just absolutely amazing. So it, it is. They've, it is. They've, it got, is. they've got some great horses adopted. Well, Fred, it is it is so interesting, this Mustang situation. And, of course, it's uh, an emotional thing for a lot of folks but uh as you guys had mentioned earlier get some good information 
on what's the true story about the Mustangs. And then if you cannot handle a Mustang at your place, uh, then look for a place like the Mustang Heritage Foundation and some other sources where they actually are working with these horses and helping to get them adopted. One of the cool things is the different programs that they have right now with prisoners that are working with these Mustangs. Um, I think physical therapy horses, they become physical therapy horses. And uh, you were talking about uh, Cobra, the Mustang, Marsha Sapp's horse. He was a three-strike Mustang. He had been, cool. he was he was on his last leg, and he's become a world champion dressage horse. So uh, they make great horses, and if you can help by adopting, do that. And if you can't, then money money talks, and just make sure your money's going to the right place. Fred, every every time you've been on the show, you've always had a great poem for us. Do you have a do you have a little poetry you can share with us? Yeah, I'll share one with you real quick, all right? All right. You know, you know I can't explain it. There are no words, of course, to describe that moment in training when you connect with your horse. It happens in an instant. Oh, it sets your mind to reeling. You either get it or you don't. It's such an indescribable feeling. So let's just call it swapping spirits, for there's nothing that compares when you are the horse. And the horse is you, and you're breathing the same air. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, Fred, <laughs> it is great to have you on the show and for you to share this information with folks. I don't know where we're going to get connected, but we've got to hook up somewhere, my friend. Oh, Look forward to you seeing bet, you. you well, anytime you're in my area, the beautiful Buffalo National River is here, and we can get one of these Mustangs and put you on its back. And I know you're getting close to it after your surgery. And uh, we'll just ride. And bring Miss Bobby with you because I'll put her on on blue, and she can sing to us while we're riding down the trail. There you go. Now there is a crazy combination. That sounds good. Well, Fred, thanks so much. We appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for for asking me. And uh, uh, if anybody out there has any questions, you you can go to the BLM website or you can email me. At PRTFred at Gmail, PRT, Paul Robert Tom, PRTFred at Gmail, and I'll try to answer any questions that you have. All right, that's great. Well, Fred, thank you so much, my friend. Look forward to talking to you soon. All All right, right, bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bobby, been a good show today. Oh, how much fun was that? Kareen Marie and um, Fred Wool, wow, what a wonderful morning. (laughs) Well, she is a talented young lady and uh, a great singer-songwriter, and she's grown so much over the years, and uh, look forward to having her back with us again. And then Fred is just a jewel, and uh, he's done so much to help these Mustangs and continues to do that, and then giving him his time as chairman of BLM's Wild Horse and Borough Advisory Board, and we can't tell Fred how much we appreciate that. But uh, anyway, it's been a fun show. I hope our audience has enjoyed it. Do you have any closing thoughts for us today, Bobby? You know what? I'm flat-footed. I actually do not. (laughs) But I would like to say that this has been a wonderful month. Can you believe it, Gary? March is completed on our schedule. 
And what a great month of guests we had. And we're looking forward to the next month coming up. Oh, it's going to be a good month in uh, in April. And so we're looking forward to all of our guests that are lined up and uh, on both on the Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America. And we want to invite all of our audience to be sure and tune in every Thursday beginning at noon for the live show, noon central time for the live show. And uh, all of the shows are archived, so you can go back and listen to a podcast at any time. And uh, we encourage you to do that as well. So we've had some good shows. We've had some really good we, shows. Yeah, we did. And I'm I'm looking forward to April with another stellar lineup. So, yeah. It's going to be good. So we, I'll, I'll just throw this out. We start out with Claudia Nygaard on the Campfire Cafe and uh, Backcountry Horsemen of America next week. And then we end the month of April with Dave Stamey and Bishop Mule Days on Saddle Up America. So I can't get much better than that, can it? Nope, although I'm sure we'll top it in May somehow. But April is sure looking good. <laughs> it looks good. It looks good. Well, again, thank you for listening today. And we're going to close the show out with a great song by Jill and Alan Kirkham. It's one called All the Pretty Little Horses. And we thank you for listening to Equestrian Legacy Radio. Don't you cry Go to sleep, little baby When you wake, you shall have All the pretty little horses Paints and bays, sorrows and grays A coach and six little horses When you wake You shall have All the pretty little horses In your bed Mama said Babies riding up to dreamland One by one they've begun To dance and prance for little babies Buckskins and bays, dapples and grays A coach and six little horses when you wake, you shall have all the pretty little And bays, dapples and grays, babies riding up to dreamland. When you wake, 
shall have all the pretty little horses. Hush by don't you cry. Go to sleep, little baby. When you wake, you shall have all. 